Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, even some breaking news from the National Football League as we speak. As we look forward to Ryan McGee of ESPN on football and motorsports and other things. As we look forward to giving you free tickets to the upcoming NASCAR event at Charlotte Motor Speedway. To the Carolina Hurricanes as their preseason begins tonight and their regular season is just a couple of weeks away. You've already gobbled up all of our Carolina Panthers tickets for this month. They are on the road at Arizona and at Houston these next couple of weekends. They are trying to dig out of that 0-2 hole and they are practicing today without Cam Newton as the New York Giants had a blockbuster headline a little bit earlier today the Carolina Panthers offer one not quite as large however Cam apparently aggravated his left foot injury remember in the preseason he didn't play much but when he did he hurt his left foot he re-aggravated that preseason injury in the game against the Buccaneers and he is rehabbing on the side, so says Panthers GM Marty Herney. As the team practices, we will discuss Cam Newton today. As all over the NFL, we see other quarterback transitions. In some cases, there was no choice, right? The Steelers are going from Ben Roethlisberger to Mason Rudolph because they have to. He needs elbow surgery. He's the backup. They're in a tough place, I think, moving forward but they have some hope in the young guy who got some snaps this past weekend. Big Ben out, not by the Steelers' choice, a veteran quarterback where you could debate his pluses and minuses, but it was not the kind of decision that we just saw out of New York earlier this today or even the kind of decision that some are suggesting the Panthers should make as this season moves forward with Ron Rivera and Cam Newton sharing their ninth season together. The Giants are turning the page at least temporarily at least temporarily i should say after almost 15 years of eli manning as their starting quarterback the new york giants are turning the page to the rookie out of duke daniel jones that was announced a little bit earlier doesn't mean of course that eli now the backup won't play again but they pulled the trigger on that decision a little bit earlier today. I'll give you more of the details on that as it came out of New York. Meanwhile, our question for you locally is, what do the Panthers do as the Saints have been forced to go to Teddy Bridgewater for the injured Drew Brees? Unlike Big Ben, remember, Drew Brees will be back. Six weeks is the estimate for his hand problem. Big Ben's not coming back this year. The Steelers are in a predicament in the eyes of many. Where should the Panthers go from here? He's 30 years old, he's throwing poorly, and he's not really running at all. Is that a game plan thing, a Norv Turner thing, a Cam Newton thing, a personnel thing, a blocking thing? One of the most prolific running quarterbacks in NFL history doesn't have positive yardage, period through two weeks and has only five carries for negative yardage this is a guy who for his first eight seasons averaged a rushing touchdown about every other game and averaged about eight carries for 40 yards those would be small numbers for a running back they are huge numbers in the ground game for an nfl quarterback where do they go from here remember the panthers owe him 44 million dollars plus 
between this year and next year. After 2020, he's an unrestricted free agent. That Eli Manning guy is in a little bit of a different situation, remember. This is the final year of his existing contract in New York. The Panthers, a year from now, will still have Cam under contract. Will they have extended him? Will they even want to extend him by then? It is two different situations as the Giants do turn the page as some Panthers fans are calling for Kyle Allen or rookie Will Greer or something else. Where do the Panthers go at quarterback? You can chime in on that. We have a college football question of the day that allows for your participation as well. We have a college coach, Mike Houston, of the ECU Pirates is going to join us. This is a guy whose entire head coaching career is an incredibly successful one. Now, he's brand new to ECU, of course. He doesn't have a lot of talent. He inherited a tricky situation from the dismissed Scotty Montgomery. The Pirates are out to a 1-2 and two start, but remember this about Mike Houston. He was high, he's a native of our state. He's actually a perfect candidate to solve the mountains versus beach riddle, given where he's worked, where he was raised. Former college football player himself at Mars Hill here in our backyard. We're going to ask him about, about Tim Tebow's comments. What do college athletes, including college football players, deserve as the name, image, and likeness debate plays out not only in the public forum, but because of a California law that is this close, or a California bill, I should say, that is this close to being signed into law by the California governor. It is against the NCAA way of doing things. It would open the door for athletes at California-based schools to get more money in more ways. Tim Tebow says he doesn't like that. We'll ask Mike Houston that big-picture question, as, of course, we hone in on his Pirates as well. When at Division II Lenore Rhine, within three years, he took him to the national championship game there. That's Mike Houston, his first head coaching job. When hired at the Citadel, difficult Southern Conference job at the FCS level, by his second year there, he led him to nine wins and the FCS playoffs. That school doesn't go to the playoffs all that often. He did that in two years at the Citadel. He did that in three years at Lenore Rhine. And in his first year at James Madison, FCS superpower, he won the national championship, played for it the following year as well with uh, finishing runner-up with the Dukes. Another good year last year, FCS playoffs and otherwise. That's the guy who has taken over the ECU program. How long will it take? Will there be a year two or year three breakthrough? We'll see. Year one is off to a one and two start. We are going to Greenville this weekend with the big tailgate tour. Remember, we're headed to Boone the following Saturday. So as we take our carnival, our tents, our games, our prizes, our continental tire toss across the state of North Carolina, visiting one college football game each weekend, remember this. We come to ECU only once this year. We come to App State only once this year. To win tailgate of the year, you got to win tailgate of the week. If we come to your school only once, and some of the others we visit you more than once, this is your one and only chance. So remember to tell us where you'll be in Greenville this weekend. It's family weekend for the Pirates. Go to BigTailgateTour.com, fill out a quick form, and we can come find you at your tailgate. Or just drop us an email with a landmark or two of how we can find you as we travel around Dowdy Ficklin this coming Saturday afternoon. Same thing for y'all who are App State fans. We come to Boone once this year and only once this year. It is a week from this Saturday. So tell us where you'll be 
for that. It's also a family weekend for the Mountaineers as we head to the western part of the state about a week and a half from now. Don't forget, this year there's a new way for you to win four free Continental tires. If you go to BigTailGateTour.com and just fill out a form that takes less than 60 seconds, you are eligible for one of our several grand prizes. Tailgate of the Year comes with four free Continental tires. The Continental Tire Toss Grand Prize comes with four free Continental tires. And you can now enter just by visiting the website, BigTailGateTour.com. Quick form. You don't give away a whole lot of information. You answer a couple questions about what kind of tires you use and when you think you'll need tires again. It is polite. It is professional. It is not invasive. Learn more at BigTailGateTour.com. Mike Houston of ECU in hour number two. Ryan McGee of ESPN is also going to drop by during the course of today's program. Where should the Panthers go from here at quarterback? That's the Panthers question of the day. And for college football fans, I offer this. What is the number one thing you need to see from your favorite team to believe it is on the right track? Coming out of the weekend that was, a lot of Wolfpack fans had questions and demands about quarterback. Wake fans are happy because they're 3-0. and UVA fans are happy because the Cavs are 3-0. and Carolina fans are more happy than not, although they were, dis- they were disappointed to lose at Wake Forest on Friday night. Duke fans are happy to be 2-1, and one, but of course the schedule is about to get tougher. Maybe an ECU fan just wants to see more victories than last year or the last three years under Scotty Montgomery. That would be a step in the right direction. College football fans near and far, what is the number one thing you need to see from your favorite team to believe it is on the right track? On the right track, if you're a Clemson fan, might mean Trevor Lawrence has to play better because your goal is another national championship, and he has not been as good so far this year at quarterback as he was last year. Of course, other programs set that bar in a different place. At some schools, a bowl is the goal. At other schools, maybe a New Year's Day bowl. At other schools, a national championship. You can chime in on the college football question of the day. You can chime in on the NFL or Panthers question of the day. Tim Tebow is in the headlines. Reggie Bush is in the headlines. We'll get to those as well. Kobe Bryant is in the headlines. He said the world has caught up to us in basketball, and it's to a point where we're just going to win some and lose some. Agree or disagree, I will offer my two cents, and we will welcome yours. Kobe was in attendance at the World Cup of Basketball this past weekend. He was originally expecting to see his team, Team USA. He was there for the semifinals. That's four different teams. No side of Team USA. Why? They were playing for seventh place because they had lost to both France and Serbia. That did not happen with NBA players representing our country for a period of about 25 years. Is Kobe right? Just shrug your shoulders, say the world is caught up, or is it a little bit more complicated than that? I will offer my two cents, and we will welcome yours. Did you know the Carolina Hurricanes are back on the ice tonight for the first time in preseason action? It is just a preseason game, one of six, three home, three away. They host the Lightning tomorrow night. They're at Tampa tonight, so it is a back-to-back against the same opponent. Only about a half a dozen regulars will be on the ice tonight. Remember, a year ago at this time, the Canes won five of their six preseason games. So what is usually considered meaningless outcomes 
in some sense, was a precursor of positive things to come as Rod Brindamore a year ago was the first-time head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. He leads the new squad into preseason battle for the first time tonight. Mike Houston of ECU, second hour. Ryan McGee of ESPN, a little bit after that. Your phone calls on the other side. Cam Newton. Eli Manning giving way to Duke's Daniel Jones. Tim Tebow, Reggie Bush. Our questions of the day. Darren Vaught is back. I have NASCAR tickets to give away today. I have Hurricanes tickets to give away as well. You can be a part of the conversation by dialing 1-800-849-2761. Did you know there's a college football game this coming weekend where they are expecting as many people outside the stadium without tickets as the almost 100,000 people they expect inside the stadium with tickets. That story with your calls next on The David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Jones completes his first pass. Cody Latimer. Jones. Two for two as he's able to hit Golden Tate for 10 yards on the play. Jones again with time. Corner of the end zone. Completes it. Did Fowler get his feet in? Yes. Touchdown, Giants. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We're jacked up about football. The NFL has huge quarterback headlines everywhere you look. That guy from that audio, the number six overall pick in this year's NFL draft, Daniel Jones from Duke University, has been elevated to starter status over that Eli Manning guy. So the fellow David Cutcliffe protégés just take different seats on the depth chart. As we come to your calls, including our Panthers question of the day, there is another big quarterback headline beyond the ones from yesterday. Big Ben out for the season with the Steelers. Mason Rudolph is in. Drew Brees out for maybe six weeks-ish. Teddy Bridgewater, the highest paid backup quarterback in the NFL, plugging in for New Orleans. Darren Vaught is back from a quick vacation. As we welcome your calls on where do the Panthers go from here at quarterback, especially given that Cam is missing practice today. He's rehabbing. His left foot, which he hurt in the preseason and then aggravated again against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Panthers fell to 0-2. Home loss to the Rams, home loss to the Buccaneers. Now they hit the road for two. I'm a believer that the Panthers, out of the nine 0-2 teams, have the best chance of making something of this season. Now is that me being too eternally optimistic or is that me looking at the other eight and 2 teams and saying, well, I don't like any of the nine, but if you made me pick one, I would pick the Carolina Panthers. I don't think there's any homer in my pick. I do know the Panthers roster better than, than I know the other eight, but I follow all nine. And if you're like me and you just saw the New York Jets with their third string quarterback signed just the other day falling on his face as the Cleveland Browns beat the Jets 23-3 to last night on Monday Night Football. You can't think that the Jets, even when Sam Darnold gets through his mononucleosis, you can't think the Jets are going to be the 0-2 team that bounces back. We all know it's not the Miami Dolphins, who are an embarrassment to the National Football League as we speak. 
The Giants just made this interesting move, but one of the reasons the Giants delayed this move was that they don't want to get the rookie killed. And other than the running back, Saquon Barkley, he doesn't have a lot of weapons at wideout. He doesn't have a great offensive line. The Giants aren't good on defense. So are you just going to throw the rookie into a tricky fire where, or are you making a, a logical trade where you're getting reps for your future franchise quarterback even in a year where the Giants are not expected to do much? The Bengals are 0-2. Washington is 0-2. Denver's 0-2. Jacksonville is 0-2. I wouldn't say the Jags are dead yet. I would have said the Steelers at 0-2, maybe. But now that Big Ben is out, I'm jumping off of that possibility of bandwagon. The Panthers at 0-2 are not a pretty sight. I do not want to paint this picture inaccurately. But of the nine ugly 0-2s, I'll take the Panthers 0-2 above any of the others. They're at Arizona this weekend. They're at Houston the following weekend. They have a chance to get to 2-2. And, and remember, years ago, they were that rare 0-2 team themselves themselves who bounced back to become a playoff squad. The Carolina Panthers of 2013 started 0-2 and ended up 12-4. I don't see that for this group, to be clear, but I think they're the best 0-2 team out there for whatever that is worth. Your thoughts on where the Panthers go? Should they pull the trigger as a, at quarterback the way the Giants just did, or do they need to ride the Cam Newton story for a lot longer, as I believe is the case? Darren, I assume your beach trip was good. I've been told your hosting duties went well as you took over Josh Graham's time slot in the sports hub out in the triad part of our listening audience. All of that good? Everything good? And what Everything. was it? Hilton Head? Hilton Head Island. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, that's great, not a bad place. Great beach trip. I'd never been there oh, before. Man. Uh, so it was a new experience that's for a, me. That's new a spot top on the coast. 10 East Coast beach right yeah. there. Uh, very nice experience there and had a lot of fun on the sports hub in the triad yesterday. So, yeah, good, good, good four days there. What do you think? You get you yearning for your uh, sports radio hosting mojo or are you still kind of chasing that play by play man dream? Uh, I mean, you know me. I, I do. I like to do all of it. And I also like producing here. Well, you're so young. I'm just you kind of have yeah, to decide. No, I'm, I, you're right. You're Someday. Right. What do you think? Sports radio host? Play-by-play is probably play by play the, is more probably in your DNA. Yeah. Is one more fun than the other? One harder than the other? What's going on there? Uh, I don't know that one is more difficult than the other. I like the challenge of play-by-play, -play, though. It, it's uh, you're, you're constantly finding ways to make the, the same thing interesting over and over again. Just by nature of what it is, a, a basketball play drawn up, it can be kind of repetitive. So it's challenging to find interesting ways to present that over and over and over again in in my mind so what you're saying is it's not you it's it's or it's not me <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> us as an industry it's you it's not you sports radio it's, it's not me. you it's sports, not you sports radio. radio it's me it's and me. my childhood dream of becoming a play-by-play -play man yes all right just making sure adam in greensboro wants in on cam newton todd and kinston once in on Kobe Bryant said, you know what? Those dream team days are over. The rest of the world has caught up in basketball. I was there at the World Cup. We're just going to win some and lose some moving forward at Team USA. I didn't like those words. I think Kobe is wrong more than he's right. He makes a couple good points. More on that in just a little bit. As we come to your calls, the one thing I promised from college football, where in America this coming weekend? Do they anticipate as many or more people without tickets outside the stadium? Maybe as much as 100,000 people 
as almost 100,000 people will be inside with tickets watching a college football game. It's only Tuesday, so maybe you're still digesting the weekend that was college and pro. But as you glance ahead, I would argue that there are as many must-see TV games in college football this coming weekend as on any of the previous weekends, meaning week zero, week one, two, and three. Remember that first weekend? What was the best game? Oregon against Auburn. Neither was even in the top ten. So I took it. Like, that is as close to must-see TV. But neither is in the top tier of national championship contenders and wasn't at the time. So week two, we did have two pretty good ones. Clemson A&M, remember? Tigers over the Aggies. We also had LSU-Texas. That was probably our first head-to-head matchup between top 10 national title contenders. Then, I don't know, what was the best game this past weekend? Nothing fit that description this past weekend. Looking forward, you have kind of 1B would be 2-0 Michigan at 2-0 Wisconsin. They're both ranked just outside the top 10, a little bit like Oregon against Auburn. Could one or the other work its way up the ladder and get into the national championship picture, the college football playoff picture? Maybe. So that's your matchup this Saturday afternoon on Fox. The one that is breaking these numerical records, though, is number seven Notre Dame visiting number three Georgia. You ready for these numbers? You know, Darren, being around college sports, when they strike these non-conference deals, you remember you're handed, you're handed your schedule for conference games by the league office. Right. There's some negotiating to be done, but basically you're given those eight or nine games, and there are not a lot of T's to cross and I's to dot. When you negotiate for a non-conference game, that's where the big appearance fees come into play, right? If it's a neutral site game, remember Alabama got $4.5 million to play Duke in Atlanta and the Blue Devils got whatever million. And when you're just inviting a team to your place, if it's a smaller school, you're paying them usually seven figures just to come and take their beating at your place. Well, when you negotiate home and home, and Notre Dame and Georgia aren't going to agree to play at the other without a return visit, right? When you have more equal footing, you're not going to get somebody to come to you without giving them a big business matchup in return. So typically, Georgia gives visiting teams 7,500 tickets. I love this as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. The 7,500 number is standard for Georgia. That's a big stadium. I've been there. When Notre Dame negotiated this home-and-home, remember two years ago, Georgia went to Notre Dame, and it was a good game. Kirby Smart didn't have the Bulldogs then where he has them now, but Brian Kelly's had far more good teams than bad at Notre Dame. That was a 20-19 nail-biter at South Bend two years ago. So this is the return match as part of that contract. This coming Saturday, it'll be your 8 p.m. game on CBS. So Notre Dame, with a little extra leverage, all right, you got to sweeten the pot if you really want this home and home. So they're getting 8,000 tickets instead of 7,500. Doesn't sound like a lot, right? Oh, 8,000, 7,500. Do you know what Georgia did to make up the difference? This is one of my favorite parts of this story. Rather than displacing 500 Georgia fans, they're putting in 
aluminum bleachers that'll fit roughly 500 people. In other words, you're not disappointing anybody. I imagine it would have been really hard. Like, how do you pick those 500 people when you routinely sell out home games? Well, you promised Notre Dame 500 extra seats beyond the 7,500 standard. And unless you want Georgia fans with fighting Irish fans on their laps, which would be uncomfortable, could lead to interesting conversations. Who knows? But probably for most, undesired. They're adding 500 seats in aluminum bleachers below the scoreboard in the west end zone for Notre Dame fans so as not to displace the extra Georgia fans. That brings the Sanford capacity there in Athens, Georgia, to 93,246, all right? They're expecting 90,000-plus outside the stadium without tickets. So you've got – I mean, think of the number of towns in North Carolina – that don't have 200,000 people. Athens, Georgia will have almost 200,000 in and around that stadium this Saturday night. That is a must-see TV college football game, and that sounds like a must-visit thing if you can get there on your bucket list. 1-800-849-2761. One more number on that. The average ticket price on the resale market for the Georgia-Notre Dame game right now is over $600 a ticket. The people who track such things say that other than the college football playoff and some select bowl games, that is one of the highest tickets in the last five years of regular season college football. Georgia, Notre Dame, in Athens this Saturday night. The numbers are getting crazy in more ways than one. 1-800-849-2761. Let me talk to Adam in Greensboro. You're next on the David Glenn Show. As the Steelers and the Saints make quarterback changes by necessity, and as the New York Giants have turned the page from veteran Eli Manning to rookie Daniel Jones, what do the Panthers do at quarterback, Adam? Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Well, they got to get Cam healthy. Dave, if you remember the first time I talked to you a few years ago, it was about offensive line. Yeah. They have got to get – this has got to get better. It has got to. I counted before I left the other night. I had to go to work. I counted how many times he had been hitting just in the first half. It was seven or eight, and he was rushed another seven or eight times. Yeah. No quarterback is going to win with, with, with being hit and rushed that much. And before I go, I think it's time for Ron Rivera and North Turner to go. They need to bring some new blood in here. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks for listening. I'm not ready to pull the trigger on any of those things. I do think that could become a conversation later this season. It is only two weeks into a 16-game marathon. I'll say this. The right side of the Panthers' offensive line is what I thought it would be. Matt Paradis, so far, has been good enough as Ryan Khalil's replacement at center. On the right side, you have a pro bowler in Trey Turner, and you have a pretty good young guy in Taylor Moten. The left side of the Panthers' offensive line has been a disaster. Greg Van Roten at guard, Daryl Williams at tackle was the guy that just got spun around like a top by, was it Shaq Barrett of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Left side, train wreck. Right side, still I think you could build on it. What's happening is that not only are you having subpar offensive line play, the Panthers no longer are utilizing Cam Newton as a running threat. Now, did they have to write the game plan that way for Tampa because Cam's foot was still bothering him? Now we have to wonder that, right? 
He's missing practice today because he re-aggravated the foot problem against the Buccaneers. If Cam told Norv Turner and Ron Rivera, man, I'm not quite right. I'm ready to go, but I'm not ready to be the dual-threat quarterback that set all kinds of NFL rushing records from the quarterback position over these last eight years. When you go from being one of the most prolific rushing QBs in NFL history to negative yardage on only five carries in your first two games, something is not right. And every Panthers fan has to ask himself or herself a version of the question that David Tepper, the Panthers owner, has to ask and that Ron Rivera and North Turner with their jobs on the line have to ask. Do you believe that Cam Newton can evolve into being an outstanding pocket passer on a regular basis. I'm going to say it again. This is seriously one question that is as, as big as any fork in the road in the history of the Carolina Panthers. You owe them $40-plus million this year and next combined. Do you believe that Cam Newton can evolve into being an outstanding pocket passer on a regular basis? I do not believe that he can do that. There's evidence that he can, especially from his MVP season of 2015. And I believe Norv Turner was hired a year ago to see if you could accelerate that evolution into more of a pocket passer, in part for competitive reasons, in part because Cam is in his 30s now, in part because Cam took a physical beating with his dual threat approach. I don't believe Cam Newton will ever be a consistently successful pure pocket passer. And if I owned the team, I am digesting that reality right now, and I am asking Cam Newton where he is physically, and I'm going to give him a chance to get healthy. But when I plug him back in there, the caller, Adam, was right that the offensive line is part of the problem. But do you know why Christian McCaffrey is not running, didn't run as well against the Buccaneers as he did against the Rams? Because the Buccaneers' game plan ignored the possibility that Cam Newton might run the ball. Part of it is that your blockers did not own the trenches against either the Rams or the Buccaneers. Part of it is these teams are rushing the passer as if Cam is not a threat to run, and they're building their defensive game plans on the idea that Cam is not a threat to run. Was anybody on Tampa's defense concerned about Cam Newton on the attempted final offensive play in the loss to the Buccaneers? If you're worried about Cam Newton as he goes in motion to the right, maybe Christian McCaffrey gets the yard he needs on that direct snap kind of trick play that came up short. Why did it come up short? Not because there's anything wrong with Christian McCaffrey. He's got two linebacker-sized dudes to deal with and the cornerback who ended up making the tackle. It was one man carrying the ball against three. If you're afraid of Cam Newton's running, or in that case it would have been a gadget catch, well, then your defense is designed to worry about where Cam might run or where Cam might go on that pass pattern. They totally ignored Cam Newton's legs the entire game. You couldn't have done that from 2011 through 2018 and gotten away with it. Cam would have burned you at the stake if you dared him to run. That's what he does best, short yardage and otherwise. If I'm David Tepper, yes, Cam has to be healthy for this plan to work, but I am telling Cam, we only believe you are going to be our future franchise quarterback if you can ride your dual threat nature as far as you can take it. And remember, a pro athlete doesn't automatically want to hear that. 
What if Cam's agents and advisors are whispering, hey, man, you better continue to evolve into a pocket passer because if you don't, you're going to only be collecting a few more years of these big paychecks rather than 10 more years the way Breeze and Brady and these other guys do into their early 40s. That's an interesting predicament, right? Do I stay what I fundamentally am and, in Cam's case, what he really enjoys doing? He doesn't enjoy getting hurt, or I would imagine not getting hit. But he enjoys winning and he enjoys moving the chains, and he enjoys scoring touchdowns. Well, Cam is Cam has exactly one year on his resume and only one that suggests he can be a pocket passer. Some of the numbers are, if you think I'm wrong about that, I'll hit you with some numbers that might surprise you on the other side. 1-800-849-2761. College football question of the day, what's the number one thing you need to see from your favorite team to believe it's on the right track? Panthers question of the day, where do you go from here at quarterback? Cam is not practicing today. He is rehabbing his aggravated foot injury as the rest of the team practices. As we come to your calls and those numbers, Cam's ability as a pocket passer laid out numerically for you who has shown that ability around the NFL who has not shown that ability around the NFL and where do you go from here with a 30 year old guy who's banged up and is under contract for two more years can he even can he be either can he evolve into the pocket passer that would want to make you give him a contract extension at some point going into next year his final year on the current deal Or can he, at 30 years old, be the dual threat if he gets healthy again and have enough tread left on the tires that you would want to renew him after the 2020 football season? It's a predicament, folks, and it's the most important position on the field. The New York Giants just made a big decision where Eli Manning is going to run number two and Daniel Jones, the rookie, is going to run number one. The Panthers' situation is different enough than that that I don't think the same solution is the right one for Ron Rivera. More on those stories with more of your phone calls and why Reggie Bush is revisiting his alma mater Southern Cal, even though by NCAA decree, he was permanently disassociated from the Trojans almost a decade ago and has not been back there since. That story in your calls next on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this. Is everything open, man? We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day (laughs) and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. NFL QB Derby goes on. Cam Newton's not practicing. That means Kyle Allen gets the most snaps. Will Greer, the rookie out of West Virginia, of course, is in that picture for the Panthers as well. Daniel Jones of Duke is now the new starting quarterback of the New York Giants. Others have been elevated for injury reasons around the NFL. We're talking the future of the Carolina Panthers, especially at the quarterback position. Do you believe either that Cam can be healthy enough and athletic enough at 30 and older that he can continue to be the dual threat quarterback that in one occasion made him the MVP of the NFL and on other occasions many of them has made him an incredibly dangerous quarterback? Or do you believe that he can evolve into being an outstanding pocket passer on a regular basis? Norv Turner was hired to explore that possibility. They made progress last year before Cam got hurt. His accuracy percentage went way up. But as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, 
Do you know what single NFL quarterback had the highest percentage of his passes through two weeks described as uncatchable by the metrics and analytics people? Cam Newton at 34%. There were only a few in the NFL over 23%. So if you get over 20% by NFL standards, uncatchable balls, it's a dangerous territory. Cam is way up there by himself at 34%. He has a foot injury that he's re-aggravated. He's missing practice today. Where do the Panthers go at the most important position on the field? Here are the numbers that back up my skepticism as we come to Steve, Mitchell, Todd, Cameron, and others. They want in on the Kobe Bryant story, the Reggie Bush story, the Tim Tebow story, or these college football or NFL questions of the day. A basic standard in the NFL that is not an extremely high bar for a quarterback would be that we expect you to have twice as many touchdown passes in a season as you have interceptions, okay? Tom Brady of the New England Patriots, for example, has exceeded that threshold 12 straight seasons. And, and sometimes it's like six times as many touchdown passes as interceptions. But it's a relatively low bar for you to say to your NFL, this is different at other levels of football, but you get to that level, oh, yeah, you could have twice as many TDs, passes, as interceptions, and that's just like a shrug your shoulders, so-so kind of season. And it's the guys that do three times, four times, five times, six times, where you really start getting into Pro Bowl territory. Tom Brady, 12 straight years fitting that threshold. Drew Brees, 10 of the last 11 seasons. He had at least as, twice as many TD passes as he had interceptions. Aaron Rodgers of the Packers, 11 straight seasons fitting that description. Russell Wilson of the Seahawks, six of the last seven years, at least twice as many TD passes as he had interceptions. And I just glanced at last year's starters. Roughly half the starters in the league had at least, as, at least twice as many TD passes as interceptions. Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs, 50 TD passes, 12 interceptions. That's a nice four-to-one or so ratio, right? Andrew Luck hit the threshold. Matt Ryan, 35 TV passes with the Falcons, seven picks. So that's a five-time ratio, okay? Russell Wilson, 35 and seven. Five times as many TD passes as interceptions thrown. Ben Roethlisberger hit the, the two-to-one ratio or better. Jared Goff hit it. Phillip Rivers hit it. Kirk Cousins hit it. Brady, of course. Deshaun Watson hit it. Rodgers, of course. Mitchell Trubisky had exactly twice as many TD passes as picks last year with the Chicago Bears. Dak Prescott hit it. Carson Wentz hit it. And Drew Brees, by the way, was 32 TD passes, five interceptions. So, again, six-to-one ratio. I'm just looking for a two-to-one ratio. That's six-to-one. Cam Newton is in his ninth NFL season. In the previous eight NFL seasons, how many times has Cam Newton had at least twice as many TD passes as he had interceptions in that season? Answer, once. One time in eight years. Folks, you either think you can reinvent the wheel with the help of Norv Turner, or you are what you are, and Cam Newton is a dual-threat quarterback. And yes, it shortens your lifespan as a QB. There's no doubt about it. More tread is off the tire because Cam puts his body at risk more than any quarterback in modern NFL history, period, and the numbers back it up. The only time he hit that threshold, Cam, as a thrower, was in his MVP season. And, of course, it was a spectacular MVP season. 
His numbers in every category, running, throwing, TDs. TDs were up. Picks were low. He had a good supporting cast. They had a good defense. They finally had an elite offense to put together with that defense. And he was sensational. 35 touchdown passes, only 10 picks that year. He completed 60% of his passes. That's the anomaly for him through eight years. That's the one time that that happened. These other guys, Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, Russell Wilson, others, every year almost they do it. Cam wants out of eight. You're not going to reinvent the wheel. I believe if you make the fundamental, if your answer, do you believe Cam can evolve into that outstanding pocket passer on a regular basis? If your answer is yes, and you move forward on that assumption, I believe you would derail this franchise for a period of years that makes people uncomfortable. The other alternative, and I understand why some are skeptical at door number two. Door number two says, be what you are. Get healthy, but once you're healthy, none of this, we're going to turn you into a pocket passer shenanigans. Be who you are. Put your body at risk. Have running plays built into the game plan. You don't have to average eight carries for 40 yards the way you did your first eight years. But when defense is playing as if you're not a threat to run, guess what? Christian McCaffrey's numbers go way down. Your receivers are not as open as often. Those defensive ends are turning Darrell Williams into a turnstile in part because they're not as worried about you scrambling, Cam. They're going after the quarterback as if he's a statue back there. If you're a traditional pocket passer, maybe you are a statue. And you're burning them downfield with the accuracy of your passes to make up for the fact that you're a little bit of a statue. Cam's not a statue and shouldn't try to be one. Neither door or path is easy, but the only smart one in my eyes is to ask Cam to try to continue to be what made him special for much of these last eight years and what made him the MVP in 2015. Mike Houston, ECU football coach in 10 minutes. Ryan McGee of ESPN later. Your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? How does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I I hope it's not awkward. (laughs) Um, You know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him, no hands. I think he's a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Mike Houston played college football. He heard Tim Tebow's comments over the weekend. Tebow said people are more passionate about college sports than the NFL because it's about your team, your university, your family, your alumni. Tebow says you're taking that away so young kids can earn a dollar. That's part of the whole name, image, likeness conversation. Tebow got a lot of pushback on that. I know this about ECU coach Mike Houston. He's been successful everywhere he's been as a head coach. And he has previously told us that as a college football player, he got a lot more value in return for his playing service than just room, board, tuition, etc. We're headed to an ECU game with the big tailgate tour this weekend. Mike Houston of the Pirates joins us next on the David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.